so, Daniel. That was great, wasn't it? Thoroughly enjoyed it. I <laughs> I did not think we'd be back recording another one of these yeah. quite so soon. It's been a while. That's off for a bit. Amazing. I mean, I don't. Is it a pattern or is it just freak that United have conceded seven at Liverpool, six at City, three at Arsenal, and they they seem to be games in which we all fell apart. Maybe less Arsenal, but certainly the City games. We're a much better team now than we were when we played City. Also, that was City. They haven't played as well since then. They played really well that day. We didn't have Casemiro, so you can you can make excuses for that one. This one. Yeah, it's is hard, much much harder to excuse, and also the magnitude of the scoreline means that you kind of, in general, when I the way I relate to football is that I milk absolutely every <laughs> last drop of joy out of the good yeah. bits, and then outside of non outside of the actual football environment, I'm quite good at removing the stuff that that would wind me up if I didn't remove yeah, it. Yeah, I just don't look at the internet in times like these. There's <laughs> just no point. Yeah, this is one of those games where you're kind of going about your business and then it re- returns to you <laughs> and you remember. And it's just like, oh, man. Yeah. It, it, it's After the game, Ten Hag said he saw 11 people who lost their heads. And, and that's a fair assessment. I, I mean, I wonder whether it's not 12 and Ten Hag got this one weirdly wrong a very odd balance to the team which he's he's done quite a lot in recent weeks and generally it's paid off right fake cost at 10 bruno wide rashford through the middle it felt a little bit unbalanced and weird and i I think the thing i felt really confident about in midweek when we did the midweek show was the spacing behind liverpool's fullbacks and it's been causing a lot of problems this season always does yeah alexander arnold plays square on he has absolutely no idea what's behind him and United's biggest weapon, Marcus Rashford, was nowhere near him. And it just felt felt really odd. <laughs> and just didn't, it didn't come off. But, you know, in midweek, I said, hey, I can't question Ten Hag's decision-making or tactics or setup because he gets it right almost all of the time. And this one just went really badly wrong. Yeah, the decision I thought was strange was not playing Wan-Bissaka, playing Dallow. Because in a game like that at Anfield, not that I massively trust Wan-Bissaka... But I don't think the things that you want from Dallow that Wan-Bissaka doesn't give you are going to be a huge feature in the game. It's quite a narrow pitch. I don't think that like Wan-Bissaka can get forward in a way that Dallow can. And I don't think their ability on the ball is like, Dallow's is so much better than Wan-Bissaka's that we should not want Wan-Bissaka's ability one-on-one in the tackle and also ball carrying for a game like that. And I agree with what you said also. And I think that, We've been getting away with it for quite a large portion of this run. Quite a lot of the beginning, winning games narrowly, and then winning games narrowly. And what's happened now is we started scoring more goals and winning games more comfortably, but it doesn't mean that there weren't periods in those games where things could have gone wrong. That's the game last weekend that I've enough in a moment of being 43 (laughs) or forgotten who it was against. No, I don't even mean that. I mean, what's happening in Madrid? We We could have been two or three down before we started playing. And you tend not to get away with those on a regular. I mean, obviously, that doesn't explain losing fucking 7 0 at Anfield. Oh, my God. No, and, and of course, like pretty much everything Liverpool touched was going in. I think their first five goals were from their first five shots on target, which is unusual. So you can say some of this is a freak, but certainly the quality of defending was just dreadful from United. Like, 
it, I, I'm trying to remember, it's the fifth or the sixth goal where I was counting up the number of opportunities. Casemiro twice, Shaw twice, Martinez. I, it was like five or six opportunities to clear it and none of them did. So, Well, that was it. I was thinking that because this is like this pod is like our old friends. And similarly, our old friend, the consecutive errors goal is yes. back yeah, yeah. with an absolute vengeance. Yeah, they 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 handed some absolute humdingers of those. Oh yeah, I mean, and and some unlucky, but also Rangnick what Rang, the Ra- Uncle Ralph period of catastrophe. Yeah, it did feel very much like that, didn't it? Uh, which which clearly it is not, but they they wilted too quickly, and then and then just yeah, consecutive errors or weird bounces. The one that came off Scott McTominay's arse straight into Salah's path for his hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is also a fair point, actually. I mean, this sounds so ludicrous because we lost 7-0. So it's not in any way saying that this is really connected to the outcome. But the general bounce of the ball in that game didn't favour United, even in the first yeah. half. I was just, I'm just looking at the stats here. Eight shots on target for Liverpool and they scored seven. I mean, it's, it's pretty unusual. And they've got, they've got good attackers as well. And yeah. Things have been going for United recently. And today things didn't go, and and just yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I do wonder, I do wonder what the reaction to this is. Obviously, Ten Hag, and, and we've spoken about this before. That generally speaking, there are consequences for not playing well under Ten Hag, and he's come out quite strongly after the game. Said eleven players lost their heads. It was unprofessional, especially in the second half. Obviously, uh, and generally speaking, there have been consequences for that, and there will have to be because. United need this to not be cataclysmic, not one of those games that destroys months of confidence building and sets us all the way back to the beginning, which I don't think it will. I think Ten Hag's in more control than that. But but you can't turn up against Betis on Thursday with the same 11. Like, clearly, there's got to be some, some, some punishment <laughs> beatings handed out here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could argue that the players have... Like they haven't earned the seven nil defeat at Anfield, but they've earned credit with the manager. So that is he really going to drop Bruno for being a knob? Just he might, but you need to win the next game, and he's someone who's like to help you do that. Sure. And it was interesting actually because he was he was the guy who came out for the exhibition fronting up, and he did it in a very different way to Maguire. I don't think. I mean, I don't think he apologized. I think he said, we usually play better than this. We play badly today. We'll play, play better next time. But it wasn't, it didn't feel apologetic, which I feel like I was pleased about that, I think, because the apologizing used to, used, to, used to do my head in. Like, yeah. however vexed we think we are about this, I guarantee you that Bruno Fernandes is more vexed and probably every other single player in that dressing room is more embarrassed and, and vexed than we are about that. Sure. So... I don't need him to perform it for television cameras for the enjoyment of anyone who happens to be watching it. I don't want to see United players being pathetic either. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, never came across as something that that I got inspiration from Maguire coming out to give his apology interview. So, yeah, they they should be angry. But I think what I'm saying is, like, if, if your performance at a normal job was this bad, you might be looking at the sack. And I'm not suggesting anyone gets the sack, but, but clearly there needs to be some, some something of a reaction from the next game. And I, I suspect from the manager as well. I, now coming back to the tactical thing, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the 
experiment of playing vague course in the middle and and like moving Bruno Fernandez wide, especially to the left, is I, I don't know. I, that one feels like it's run its course. I, I don't know that we get magnificent benefit from it, and it was messing midfield. And and when you're being sort of outpassed by Henderson and Fabinho, for fuck's sake, then then the, clearly Veghorst is <laughs> not the man. And United were a man short with Veghorst dropping deep. It, it was very Uncle Ralphish. I I I I, I say this, I, that game is not now not just Veghorst. So I always I've been saying this about Veghorst for for weeks that he he's not he's he's crap, but he's not useless. So you keep playing him because you can find reasons for the things that he does, and we can all see the things that he sure. does that that are helpful. But he's nowhere near good enough. And games like that actually. Make you rem- they remind you that other players aren't also like you watch that game you think that Dallow's not good enough, not likely to be good sure. enough, and so I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like pile in on him, but on Dallow in particularly, like he wasn't any worse than any of the rest of them. It's just he's probably got himself less in the bank that makes me happy that he's as good as it needs to be in that position. But yeah, of course, I, I mean, I. I can understand why he played. The idea is if Liverpool press, you've got the option of going over their press to Veghorst. Didn't do that today, though. Just kept losing the ball in the press. No, and they, then they... So that was why I thought that he... That's why I thought that they, they played him, played him in that position. So he's a bit closer to De Gea. But he's not... We, yeah, he's not good enough. And also, there's still presumably some squad planning going on where they need to decide. I don't have to decide, but... Garnacho is getting better, and I thought that the game, the game against West Ham, was the best he's played as a starter. I thought he played played really well in that one. Sure, it's, 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 it's getting to a point where he's going to be good enough quite soon, maybe to be challenging to play every week. At which point, what are you going to do with Rashford? So mm-hmm. I'd be, I'd be trying, I'd be just trying to play Rashford through the middle to see if he can be a centre forward. So I didn't, I don't mind if they do that necessarily, but. I think that getting Veghorst into the team when you've got Garnacho and Sancho, just it doesn't seem like he adds enough relative to what they. No, I, I, th- I think that's right, and and I, look, I don't mind Rashford through the middle. He he's close to the goal. Obviously, I think he gets more space off the left and can cut in and shoot. The weird thing today was playing him through the middle when you know that Liverpool's weakness is in behind Alexander Arnold, and that, that was just odd because there was no one running into that space. Bruno's not going to do it. He doesn't run off the ball in that in that way. And and so we didn't exploit their weakness and kind of contributed to their strengths. So I, th- I thought that was a bit odd, but I don't want to overanalyze f- what was in in a sense a freak result, <laughs> right? Eight, eight shots you don't normally score seven goals. So I think we can probably go okay, bad result, some freakishness to the size of the score. I mean, I guess once you lose one nil, you might as well lose. I mean, it's just it's Liverpool, right? So it doesn't really matter what the final score is. But this one is one for the ages. It's a reminder that we we know who these players are, and not, there's there's some repeat offenders in there. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they haven't. Ten Hag has done a brilliant job getting them to feel themselves, but we saw there it didn't take much before. Yeah, they were before they were. Yeah, just just absolutely gone. And, yeah, well, and and some some of it. I mean, the captain Bruno clearly lost. The run of himself clearly, and he probably uh, it, it was it was good that he didn't get sent off because it felt like there was something coming at some moment, and and I was waiting for Anthony to absolutely smash someone as well because he looked like he was about to. On which point? On can we? T- on which point? 
did you think that McTominay could possibly have been sent off for what he did? Because it felt to me like Gary Neville was felt like he was trying felt like Gary Neville was trying to talk the referee into giving him a red yeah. card. No, he's he actually got the ball and then the follow through his leg sort of pokes up. And I don't I don't think yeah. I, I just thought that was accidental. The the, the leg yeah being same up. and. I, I agree. Like the, the level of control you've got when you're talking about a very small amount, but it made me think a bit about Carragher and Neville, where they sort of come from opposite sides of the way that you commentate on your own team. Mm. Like Gary Neville, like nothing, like I feel is has had moments of excitement about United, but generally when he's commentating on them, he's hypercritical. Yes. Yeah. And Carragher is completely the yes. opposite. Like they kept playing that that commentary when Mo Salah goes, "You dancer." When he goes, "You dancer," when Mo Salah scores, and thinking, "What? That's not your job to do that." I don't. That doesn't doesn't really bother me that that he does do it. Obviously, I'd prefer not to have to. I'd prefer not to be necessary. But feels quite strange that that is the level of punditry now. That I, I don't know. Not not the level of punditry. Actually, that's not, that's the wrong way of going about it. I find it odd that Jet Carragher doesn't make more of an effort to be impartial right. in that way. No, but I think they. I, I think that's part of the the plan, really, isn't it? I mean, it's co-coms as and instead of like tactical analysis or color commentary, it's it's as as trolling and many many like you you get commentators adding more commentary and editorializing than they ever used to do. And the co-coms do that too, and and it's almost like watching a fan TV watch along with some of them. Not not everyone, but it's it's like it it has aped that style of, of media coverage. I think it can be. It's a bit, but it gets a bit bantorous nowadays. I think. Bantorous. I mean, Harrigan Neville both. <laughs> they're both yeah, they're both much better in the studio than they are than they are in co-coms, and there aren't that many people that are actually. That, that, that seem to be that good at that job. So it must be a much harder job. I mean, I guess you can see exactly why it's a harder job. Add value to what we're seeing without just repeating it and do it really quickly without video aids. Yeah. I mean, it's a difficult job. But it doesn't seem like there's anyone who's any good at that. But I think that, yeah, I, it just, it, it interests me the way it seems that like, I, and it, I wonder if it's driven also by social media a little bit that sure. Gary Neville doesn't want it to be said that he's biased and Jamie Carragher is just like, I mean, you get, he's in the moment, but they also, it is known that he's producing things that you can clip up, I would I, say. A hundred percent. Yeah. I look, I, I don't have the experience of being inside the, the studio and, and what producers will be wanting from them. But uh, like, I, I'm, I'm sure that social media coverage and clippings, the stuff and spreading it around is part of the, Part of the plan, I mean, certainly is at TalkSport, right? That's the whole point. The whole point of their coverage is to get get people sending it around in short bursts. That's why it's so hyperbolic. But I, I do I do think media commentary has gone that way a bit. I mean, in the US, our coverage was Peter Drury on comms and Graham Lasso as the second, as the co-coms. And he's all right, Graham Lasso, because he's very downbeat. And so it's very hard to for him to say anything that winds you up. Peter Drury, of course, is like completely hyper and uh, it's got a list of lines that he needs to bring out and uh, so, jury. if you like him that's fine he i mean because it's weird because you want you want personality but i guess sometimes yeah like obviously when you do any, when you're any kind of personality you can stray into pastiche of yourself at times like it's inevitable but peter drury is definitely a net positive although i understand why people might find some of it a bit much. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not that bothered. I, I'm more worried about 
United shipping seven goals at Anfield than what poetry Peter Jury is coming out with. <laughs> right, but I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> and I was just saying, <laughs> I was trying to forget about this and you just reminded me. Yeah, very sorry. Very sorry. Short pod today. That's all right. That's, that's all done, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye now. No. <laughs> One thing I liked, I was pleased to note, we had a couple of short corners that didn't go to Fred. I think he might have been off the pitch when one of them happened, but I think there was another. So we didn't get to enjoy that kind of off the ankle pass. The the first one, though, they did the short corner today. It was short, short, short and kept going backwards. I was like, OK, what's the point? I did know, actually, talking about we, we're talking about clearing it long, going direct to Vekhorst. A couple of times today, they did the fullback taking the goal kick to the goalkeeper and then spreading it wide. But of course, Dave's lack of confidence in passing it means that it went back to the keeper and he had to boot it long in the end, which is kind of pointless. <laughs> I, do, I do look at that situation. Dave's been fine this season and there's some talk that they are very close to that new contract. So we'll, we'll see about that one. But in those particular moments, he can't do it. And uh, he's never going to be able to do it. And so you either have to compromise or risk what happened, which is United giving the ball away in dangerous areas. I mean, the thing about De Gea is, you look at those seven goals, (laughs) seven goals, and you can't necessarily pinpoint any of them that were his fault. No, he could have stood up for the one that was dinked over him, but yeah. I mean, yeah, but... You can't help but think a more a, a more dominant style keeper doesn't concede isn't behind the defense that concedes seven times there. Sure, it's just I don't know. It feels like apart from the saves, he doesn't he doesn't give enough security, and it's, he's another one who's that reminder that he can be brilliant. And he and but he probably isn't good, quite good enough for what you really want if you're going to get yourself into serious position challenging for trophies. Yeah, his his faults exposed all the time. I mean, you, yeah, it, I, I think after 400 odd games at United, we we know what he is and he isn't brilliant reflexes and not so good with his feet and a bit powder puff when it's all going wrong. Which was also Luke Shaw today, who's been great this season and very good, but had a mare for the ages defensively today, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, 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 lost, he lost his head a bit, which it was like, I didn't exactly mind seeing that. I just would have liked it to have come with a bit more resolve when it comes to playing football yeah. as well as getting aggro with Liverpool. So I sort of, in some ways, I didn't hate his performance as much as I've hated some of his previous performances because it felt like there was a bit more fire and entitlement than this one than just the previous more supine subsidences. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, That's I don't... That's the best I can say about I mean, him. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I'm running out of things to say, actually, because normally normally we can go deep into the analysis, but this was like just just one for the ages, I thought that... Okay, then I'm going to try Go on, one. go on, go on. I'm going to toss one up. I thought that Anthony played quite well <laughs> in the first half. <laughs> I mean, look, first half he was doing what we needed. What'd you make to. of that? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the the, the stuff in the final third wasn't awesome, but he carried the ball well. He defended well. First half, actually, United defended well. First half, apart from that one moment of disorganisation when Varane got turned for Gakpo's goal, which which was one that's definitely preventable. I mean, they're all preventable, but that in particular, yeah. 
I, I'm not so worried about Anthony. He gets some trolling from people who don't watch United every week, but I think he's doing all right. I think he's good. Yeah. I think he, I, I mean, I think I, 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 I think he's a good player. He scored some goals. He's made some goals. He scored some important goals. He scored in his first game, and and he scored again. It tells you that he's got he's got some arsehole, Anthony. You can give him the ball in any situation. He's going to need to get better at scoring and creating goals and coming in coming in going on the outside also. But I like what I've seen. I think in general we're worse when he's not there. I also thought that. Martinez played well in the first half. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if only, if only, uh, it was just about the first half, right? No, no, no. It's, it's normally we've been poor in the first halves, and and Ten Hag has managed to get them to turn around in the second. I think that was true of Newcastle and West Ham in the last week. Not today. Anyway, let's leave it there on Liverpool. I, I don't want to talk about it anymore. No question about that. It's supported by you, our listeners, through patreon.com forward slash NQATpod, where you can get access to our weekly ad-free bonus episode talking about football around the Premier League and Europe. We've got a game on Thursday against Real Betis. We do. Have you been how have you have you been following Real Betis season so far? Not really. No, in fact, <laughs> mainly not. I know a few of their players. It's Iglesias up front who's scoring the goals, isn't it? And Nabil Fekir, people thought a lot of early in his career. I think he uh... Klopp tried to get Fekir. Yeah, yeah. Did that with that midfield that was good sort of by mistake because he wanted Fekir to play in it and it be- I guess that would have made him a slightly different team. Or did he fail a fitness test or something like that, didn't he, on the transfer? It yeah. Some two dodgy yeah. knees or something. That hasn't really played out. So, William Carvalho in midfield as well, who was perpetually linked with United at one stage, probably agent-driven rather than anything else. So, they're doing all right. They're fifth in the table, just just ahead of Villarreal, a little bit behind Real Sociedad. We know those two teams pretty well. Old Trafford, first time around. I, I've never been to... Real Betis's ground, I've been past it since Sevilla, but it's one of those kind of old style open air. They'll get a, I'm sure they get a good crowd in there. It, I think it holds more than 50,000 for the second leg, which I guess is in a week's time. And then, then Thursday at Old Trafford and a chance to uh, put what just happened to bed <laughs> very quickly. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're deluding ourselves if we think we're entirely putting it to bed, but it is good that they've got a game in midweek. And one of the things I was thinking also, which I'm going to try and explain why this happened, is they have played a lot of games. Hell of a lot. I guess you can see how that could that could lead to a collapse when exhaustion, the opposition playing really well, everything going for them, an away game against a rival, just all of those things coming together shouldn't equal 7-0. But was kind of maybe why they, or a contributory factor in them behaving like complete morons for Look, those are all. Minutes. I think they're all reasonable factors, especially the number of games. I mean, United have played 10 games in the past 30, 33 day, days, if I can get the words out. I think it's 21 since the World Cup. A hell of a lot of games. There's, there's pretty much not been a midweek break. Or has there been a single midweek break since... The World Cup, can't remember, but with the extra round in Europe, I don't the, league think so, and the no. League Cup run and stuff, it's just been ongoing. And and Ten Hag has been 
reluctant in some games to rotate. I mean, he did for West Ham in midweek, but he didn't, for example, against Forest and Reading in previous cup games. And I think we were a bit surprised. He wanted to keep the momentum, but the cost of playing a lot of games, which can have downstream consequences, can it? Like maybe today, um, we'll see. I mean, it might be a contributory factor. Talking is hard, much like defending if you're a United player. So, yeah, and, and it's hard to say, like, the Europa League's a, an important competition, clearly. I mean, it's a place in the Champions League, which should should be should be United's anyway, 10 points ahead of Spurs and seven ahead of Liverpool despite today's game. This is an important competition. More silverware, is, that, that would top four and a couple of cups would be very good. So it's going to be a big question for Ten Hag, like, does... Like, how much of a punishment beating does he hand out to some of the players who didn't perform? Because consequences have to be consequences. Uh, and how much does he rotate? Yeah, so who do you... If, are, you are you leaving anyone out? It's, it's really you, hard to say. I mean, I would definitely think about uh, mixing up the the system a little bit. I mean, Bruno, most creative player, left wing, don't think... We want to see that again. Don't don't understand that. Don't think he especially likes it. when we've got left wingers. We've got a ton of left wingers, so it's yeah, it's just weird. Obviously, it's a tactical thing he wanted to try today, but he's he's been doing this system with Veghorst as the pivot. I I just don't know whether that's like contributing to 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 United's performances. I mean, I guess like Ten Hag believes it, right? I feel that like against Betis. You don't. You shouldn't need Veghorst. You should be yeah. playing because they're going to play. They're going to try and keep the ball, but they're going to be open. Just play your play your best footballers because we should be able to dominate possession against them. You should do. They don't score a lot of goals either, Betis. So I, I think the Iglesias has got ten. I think the next top goals goal scorer has got three, something like that. So they and and they're reasonably tight. I mean, I, I, I not, not that I'm going to claim to be an expert on them, but I think they're a decent side. Not as good as Villarreal. That should be our benchmark. But for some very odd refereeing, we would have beaten Villarreal earlier in the season. So, anyway, a good competition. Do you mean... Yeah, sorry. Sausage on, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I mean, so, like, I think we've got the benchmark for them. They're United, obviously, partly just for this round and getting a bit of a rest next time out could do with a really healthy win now and to get over this Liverpool defeat early because I mean I, I think in the past with this group heavy defeats have led to more heavy defeats haven't they and I, I, I'd, I'd actually fairly feeling fairly confident that is not going to be the case this time because I think Ten Hag's in a lot of control of this squad yeah I'm, I'm not I'm not worried about that like I think that we'll be able to leave this game more or less in this game but they're going to think about it when they play Liverpool next at Anfield because then it's going to be on their mind the next time the next time they play Liverpool and definitely the next time they go to Anfield. But otherwise, that's why I sort of didn't mind Bruno's interview because he just was quite categoric about it that, yeah, we played crap today, we'll play better in the next game. Yeah. Like, there's not... I think that the players won't panic. And so... I mean, I might be overestimating that because I overestimated their ability to not get beat 7-0 today. So <laughs> can can be wrong on these things. But I do sort of trust them to, to be better to be all right again. I guess you might leave Shaw out and play Malassia. Yeah. Even if you're not punishing him, he might as well have a kick up the arse as work before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, he had a real stinker today, but he wasn't alone in that. I, I, I suspect Ten Hag will change both fullbacks. Just, just worth doing that, and and I'd like to see the change up front as well. So I wouldn't mind. Also, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing Zabitzer for ninety minutes in with in in with the best yep. players around him because I know what Fred does. Yep, and it's fine. But even if Fred is better than Zabitzer, I can't imagine yeah. it'd be all very much. Well, you have Fred in for intensity, and it, there wasn't there today. I mean, I think I think that's one thing to note beforehand when Ten Hag was talking about mentality. That failed this team today. I mean, they were second to every ball. And I don't want to get all Roy Keane. I thought he made strange changes. I thought he made strange changes also. Those first two, like at 3-0, I think, I hate to say this, you're probably making changes to not lose by any more than sure. that. thought Garnacho was a strange move at, at that point. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe you're trying to teach him, like, this is how bad it can be. I don't know. But... In the in, I felt like yeah. At that point, you're probably just trying to make sure it doesn't get messy because you know it could. Yeah, but but that that like that follows on to Thursday's game, doesn't it? In, in like, do you give the players who failed today an opportunity to fix it, or do you make some changes? And 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 also, I think they just got to think about the squad management here. There's clearly some players who are tired, and and it's worth rotating them around. Well, there was a bit at the end where it looked like when the when Rashford went off that Bruno was pointing, like, why aren't you taking me off? And I don't want to read too much into it, but it did look like that was what happened. And Sky said they thought that was what happened. And that is not really... Yeah, you don't really want to see that. But also, if that's happening, I mean, I'm sure he'll be ready for the next game and want to play in mm-hmm. it, but he doesn't He does need a rest. And he played like someone who needed a rest. Yeah, well, sure. And, and this... I think we've known from the from the first season that he came, we've known that this happens with with Bruno. His form really does tail off when when he's tired and knackered, and he wants to play all the time. And he said it himself actually in his interview with the club earlier this season. He wants to play every single game and gets very angry when he doesn't. But this is what management is about, and, and yeah, yeah. I mean, I can understand why Tenoff was wanting to pick him in all the games because all the games have meant something because we're in all the competitions. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, we're not safe even in the top four. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't mess up top four from here, but the manager has to pretend like, not pretend, but he he has to really think that we're going to mess up to make sure that we don't. So you understand why he plays Bruno in all the mm-hmm. games, more or less. But yeah, it may be, I mean, I can't, you can't obviously leave him out against Betis, but you might try and leave him out against Fulham. In the cup, yeah. I mean, we've got, or even Southampton, Southampton at home next week. Isn't it it is. It's, it's Betis at home, Southampton at home, Betis away, Brighton away. So four games, and they're all Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. Then, oh no, sorry, not Brighton away because it's the FA Cup. Fulham at home in the, the cup. Then there's a break. I actually don't know. March nineteenth to April the second. Is there an international week in there? I think there is one in March. Yeah, yeah. I think I think there I think there is one. Yeah, I was like I was looking at this going, oh, this is a bit odd. There's a couple of weeks off here, but I suspect it's probably international break, so they'll all be knackered from playing those games. And and then it depends on Betis. I mean, there there are in April a few free midweeks, but if we're through in the cup and through in the Europa League, then there won't be at all. I mean, it's it's just one of those brutal seasons and. And Ten Hag is clearly yeah, reluctant I mean, to go back to some of the players who've failed in the past. And who who can blame him? It feels like we're perpetually talking about next season. Top four is going to be brutal, 
because you always because but it turned out that Chelsea haven't done the thing this season. So now, like to be in this position where it's us, Tottenham, and Liverpool probably yeah. for two places. That's probably a better position than I thought we'd be in. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I look at, yeah, I mean, maybe we didn't, we didn't expect Arsenal would be this consistent this season, for sure. That's a surprise given where they were last season. We didn't expect Liverpool and Chelsea to be this bad, did we? And and so, yeah, it's opened up for United. <laughs> and Tottenham aren't consistent either. So Tottenham, aren't, Tottenham just aren't good. They're there because they're, they've got Harry Kane. Yep. Which makes them the best of what 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 else there is, but it's only really because they've got Harry Kane. I mean, I'm not saying you should take him out because part of them is, them is having him, but it is genuinely him. When I watch them play, I mean, Benson is quite a good player. Christian Romero could be good at some point, but yeah, it's him. And otherwise, they're quite poor. Yeah, it'll be interesting not to get too far ahead of ourselves. But I mean, next season, you'd imagine it'll be more competitive because you don't imagine Liverpool will be bad, as bad again. And if Chelsea can Chelsea. sort out their resources and and create some balance from all of that, then then they're obviously going to be better. And we don't know what Newcastle will do. I mean, they spent 250 million in the past year since the takeover. You'd imagine they're going to try and do that again. Sneak in a few sponsorships well, and all of that, and it'll be it'll be a challenging race next season. But that's that's next season, and United's best chance of improving is to get into the Champions League because that makes a big difference revenue wise. United are now down to I think the third best in the Premier League behind City and Liverpool in terms of making money. There's there's not much in the kitty, and and we've got the the uncertainty surrounding the takeover, which I imagine will be putting all of their summer plans on hold until that happens. And and if it happens the way we talked about last week's show, there won't be any summer plans, not good ones anyway. <laughs> so oh, this is going well. Yeah, yeah, I know how to depress ourselves. Anyway, well, I mean, yeah, I think I think that is. I think the, the, there are some really terrible case scenarios with the ownership, but. That is for another. We are day. we are watching. Yeah. We are yeah. Well, we're, we're we're still watching a good team. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, a good team and seven nil defeat at Anfield ought to be incompatible. <laughs> but but at the same time, we we know what we're watching, and it is it is different because the manager's really good, and also the players are good, and there are more good players than we've ever had before. So, other than just yeah, another epochal thrashing to just yeah dreadfulness it's not i went i i didn't go today but i went to the four nil anfield last right. season and i i i wasn't there so i'm not going to speak on behalf like there'll be people who are both and they'll tell you which was worse but in my mind that one was a lot worse because we were a lot worse and just everything was absolutely horrendous yeah, yeah. yeah at that point no that that's right I, I mean if this had happened last season obviously it would be in even more despair, but actually isn't that. It's, it's, it's a defeat for the ages and Scousers will love it. And there's a couple of listeners who will get chirpy on Twitter Twitter from from Liverpool who weirdly weirdly listen to United Pod every week. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder if it isn't even one for the ages because it's just become commonplace. If this had happened before the other Canaan's that we've taken... <laughs> it would probably have been more appalling, even appalling us, appalling us. Yeah. Whereas, because we got smashed by them twice last season, yeah. it's more. This is what we do. <laughs> it's 
Yeah, it's never it's never worse. I mean, maybe it is worse the third time in some, I don't know. Well, but... when it happened last season, I think many people were the opinion that the club should be firing some of the players because it is, is beyond unacceptable. So, again, <laughs> comes down to, to consequences, doesn't it? If you perform that um, badly, there normally needs to be some. I would, again, I always I look at it as a body, as I think it would be wrong as a manager to drop someone who had played badly, really badly for you once when they played really well for you 20 30 times. or 40 yeah, times. Sure. Yeah. Because aside from whether, like, as a fan, you want, you don't just want consequences, you want fucking consequences. <laughs> but apart from, in terms of, so forget about that for a second. As a manager, you need your staff to believe in you. You believe in them, that they can go out and they're not completely ruined for one, one, one bad game. So I don't. I think they, he wants the players to trust him. So my guess is like there have been some stern words, but also like this is this is finished now because he needs he can't drop all of yep. them. There was no, no no none who were that standout horrendous because they were all standout horrendous. It's like the opposite. One of my favorite comment, commentary things is when a football manager talks about his team being outstanding. Outstanding from what? Like there was <laughs> or. What, <laughs> Like how could they? They outstood relative to who? Like we were at, anyway. I can't remember what I was saying now. It's probably for the best. Right? But what a segue that was! Top top stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. For Becker's content, we're going to be talking about all the thrashings we've got against our biggest rivals over the last two years. It'll be a forty-five minute bonus show now. We're definitely not going to do that. I'm I'm quite sick of these days. I thought I thought it was behind us, Dan. Thought we weren't going to have to deal with this anymore. I thought this group of players had moved on and they had a steely resolve and and they were the kings I mean, of the comeback, which it seemed like it was true. Apparently not. One of the things that I is that irritates about this kind of behaviour is that when we were good and Liverpool, when Liverpool were first, when Liverpool were good and we weren't, we've turned up and always pretty much always put in the performance against them yeah. all the time, but particularly at Anfield. Yeah. Then when we were when we were good, Liverpool did the same. Like you never got an easy game at Anfield. We had that one opportunity to smack them in ninety three, ninety four, and we were three 0 up. Didn't. But other than that, pretty much every almost every game was a tight game. And then we've got crap, and just almost every game is a submission. Mm. Well, did beat them at Old Trafford this year, but aside from that one, which looks like the odd one out. In a four nil, five nil, and seven nil thrashings. So, yeah, good stuff, lads. So yeah, hockey scores. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I think I think as Mourinho calls them hockey scores. So, but uh, it's not. It's not. It's not totally. Yeah, it's not. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> it's nine. It's seven. seven. Yeah, I'm going to segue into this before we close out this show because I think we're both losing the run of ourselves as well. Did you see this week? Mourinho got himself sent off third time this season. He's been sent off. It's time for having a go at the the assistant or the referee or both. I can't remember. And then accused accused the ref of being from Turin. <laughs> and I thought that was great. And, and then there's the magnificent story that came out. Sorry, Dan. That Mourinho had apparently laid into one of the under-14s at the club in front of everyone. And, and it's just, just perfectly Mourinho that. <laughs> it, it, I, I saw that. and It, it didn't used to be. That we like, we didn't have the good Mourinho, but the good Mourinho was that he went over the line a few times. Like the Eva Carnero thing was, was yeah, really dreadful behavior. Yeah, 
But that kind of era of Mourinho, and I don't, I don't want to then say that actually he was like mainly mischievous after he did that because I thought that was like really like not not good at all. But the things that made Mourinho good, he had much more of them, and he sort of then moved over to the dark side of of those same things. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like he's not. He's, he, it's not even that he, I, I say he's lost his, his charm. His charm because that's something that's that's something for me, and like he doesn't have to do anything for us by being charming. It just feels like he's lost a lot of happiness. Yeah, and he just doesn't. He seemed like a much happier bloke then, and that I find that quite hard to watch sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. It, it seemed when he when he was at Real Madrid before he came to United, he was angry Mourinho all the time, and the the charm lasted about what two minutes. When he was at United, he tried it. I thought he might look for a redemption story there, but it, it, it kind of descended on him. He was never happy at Spurs, and he he doesn't seem very happy at Roma, given how often he's getting sent off. Anyway, that's a diversion, just so we don't have to think about what happened today. And thanks for listening, everyone. Oh. Yeah, it's good stuff. Hopefully there'll be about three of you actually listening because people then tend to not when it's been dreadful. So I don't blame you. <laughs> Catch you next week. Good. Yeah. Please.